Final Four weekend is here, and we are back on the Daily Dingu at The Athletic, presented by BetMGM. Michael Beller, Brian Bennett. I always want to gesture, you know, even though we're, like, states apart. But Michael <laughs> Beller, Brian Bennett, I suppose, is the way that it looks on my screen. Getting ready to talk about these Final Four games. Brian, I'm super excited. A couple of weeks ago, we were uh, just starting the tournament, right? Two weeks ago today, we were starting the tournament one day later than usual. 64 teams still alive at that point. Here we are, 14 days later, four teams still alive. As we talked about yesterday, no one's surprised by three of them. We would have been surprised had Gonzaga or Baylor not been among the teams still playing basketball at this point. Houston, they are here. UCLA, that comes as a bit of a surprise, but a very fun Weekend ahead of us as we wrap up the college basketball season and crown a national champion. How you doing today? Doing great. It's Final Four weekend. We had opening day yesterday. My Cardinals won one big. Uh, things are <laughs> things are things are going pretty well, and I, I like that we have you know three kind of powerhouse teams and a, a little bit of a Cinderella. Though it's hard to call it UCLA a Cinderella, but uh, right. it gives us a little bit of flavor, a little bit of upset potential. And uh, we should be some good games. Uh, and uh, the possibility still looms of a Gonzaga-Baylor national title game, which is just so, so exciting to think about. It's felt like that's what we've been building to all season. That that's the crescendo we've been waiting for. It was a game we were supposed to get during the non-conference portion of the schedule, but COVID had its way with that game. We never got to see it when we were supposed to. Um, the impartial basketball fan in me definitely would like to see that a couple of days from now. No offense, Houston. No offense, UCLA. But these have been the two teams, Gonzaga and Baylor, that have been set apart from the group all season long. And it would be a very fitting end to this 2020-2021 men's college basketball season to see those two teams going at it in Indy for the national championship. Brian, yesterday we looked mostly at the futures for the Final Four, looking at the national championship odds, looking at the most outstanding player odds. Today, we get into the final four games themselves. So let's start with the first game, Baylor and Houston. Baylor, five and a half point favorites in this game. We've got an over-under of 135. This has been a spread that has lived in this five, five and a half range. Basically, since the matchup was set, we'll get a little bit more into the uh, nitty gritty of that with uh, BetMGM Seamus McGee in a little bit. But for now, let's you and I talk about the X's and O's of this matchup. The, the line feels fair uh, with Baylor being favored by five and a half. Uh, if Houston is to pull this off, where are they going to have to do it? Well, yeah, Houston, they succeed on two things, right? Their defense and their offensive rebounding. So that's that's what they're going to try to do in this game is try to slow slow Baylor down, try to get extra shots, which is what they have done all throughout this tournament. It's going to be interesting, though, because Houston really has not scored a lot in this tournament. They scored, right. uh, I think, 80-something in the first game against Cleveland State. But but since then, they're averaging right around 64 points a game. And they played some good defensive teams. But it's just not a team with a lot of offensive power, firepower and not a lot of great shooters. So it's going to be, I think, tough for them to, to really keep up with Baylor. Baylor also, obviously, a very good defensive team. Mm-hmm. Also a very good offensive rebounding team. So they're <laughs> good in a lot of the same areas as Houston. But I think they have more scoring potential so for Houston they're gonna have to find a way to muck this up a little bit uh they're gonna have to really win the rebounding battle uh, and hope to you know get to the free throw line because I, I just don't think they have the offensive firepower to keep up with Baylor yeah I'm right there with you 63 points against Rutgers in the second round 62 against Syracuse in the Sweet 16 67 against Oregon State in the Elite Eight and they're gonna need more than that I mean even if Houston plays an A-plus defensive game 
63, 64 points might not get it done against Baylor. And you know something you look at uh, when you're looking at the numbers that you can find on Ken Palm, uh, adjusted tempo, right? Baylor's not a team that necessarily wants to fly up and down the floor. They've got a, an adjusted tempo of 186, according to Ken Palm. They play relatively fast offensively, though. Their tempo, I think, slows down because of what they do defensively. And that's why you see that adjusted tempo number come down a little bit for Baylor. I think it's going to be a hard sell for Houston uh, to be able to impose that sort of pace on this game. I will say that we were talking about this in a similar vein in the Gonzaga and USC matchup uh, in the Elite Eight. And I think that Houston has – the the matchup is a little bit more on equal footing to the point that if Houston does play an A-plus game, that they have a better chance of getting the game to their pace where USC really, you know, in in all honesty, never had – that chance that was just never going to be part of the reality for them in that game. I think it could be part of Houston's reality, but it's still much easier said than done. When you look at what Baylor can do offensively, when you look at the firepower, when you look at all the different ways they can find points on the offensive end with all the different scores that Baylor has, individual scores, individual playmakers. And then as you say, Brian, also a team that gets after it on the offensive glass very, very well. So this is a very tough team to slow down. It's almost trite to say that is Houston's biggest test in the uh, in the tournament because, I mean, Baylor would be basically everyone's biggest test in the tournament. But it should be mentioned that you know, Houston has had a relatively easy path to get to this point with the opponents that they faced. A friendly draw. You can't take it away from Houston, but I think if a lot of teams got to face Rutgers or uh, excuse me, Cleveland State, Rutgers, Syracuse, and Oregon State as the four teams that they go up against, a lot of teams could have navigated that path and gotten themselves to the final four. So this is going to be a big step up for the Cougars as we look at this from the uh, vantage point of placing bets. I feel great about Baylor. I just think that this offense is is way too much. And again, like we come back to the fact that Baylor, Gonzaga, these have been the two best teams by far in the country for a reason from the jump. These were one, two in the in the country when we've got our first top 25 poll of the season. And here we are, the two comfortable favorites in the final four. That's not an accident. I like Baylor laying the five and a half. Where are you at on this one? Yeah, I think so. I have no problem laying the points for Baylor. If you believe they're the second best team in the country, which I do, they should mm-hmm. win this game. And, you know, Houston's really tough. I'll give them that. They're an incredibly tough team. I could yep. see them keeping this close for sure. Both teams really kind of a mirror image of each other, but still, uh, you know, very guard oriented uh, in terms mm-hmm. of where they get their offense. Their big guys are mostly defensive players and bangers and rebounders. Uh, so it's a, it's a, it's a, going to be a great game too outstanding defensive players and Dejan Giroux and, and Davion Mitchell on both sides. So they match up really, really well with each other. I just think match. I just think Baylor is better at what it does. Uh, Baylor's played better competition all year long. Uh, so I like Baylor to win and, you know, five and a half is a lot in a final four game of this caliber, but I got a feeling that Baylor is going to get it done. Yeah, for what it's worth, we've talked about this a little bit uh, so far this week since this matchup has been set. Ken Palm has it as a one-point game, 72-71 mm-hmm. in favor of Baylor. Uh, respect everything that uh, Ken Pomeroy does, but I-, I just think Baylor's offensive firepower is going to be a-, a little bit too much for Houston to be able to keep up with. So mark me down in Baylor's corner. Feel very comfortable laying that five and a half. Any take on the uh, on the pace of this game, uh, right? We're looking at uh, an over-under. Let me pull this up again for a second. Over-under of 135. Uh, any take there, or is that something you're staying away from? Yeah, I mean, it could be a bloodbath. I mean, it could <laughs> end up being, 
you know, 65, 61, that kind of game wouldn't mm-hmm. surprise me at all. And, and for the under to hit, uh, certainly you could see that happening, especially, you know, two teams in a dome. Uh, so it, yeah, it's, it's a possibility, but I also don't discount the possibility that Baylor puts up 70, 72, and all of a sudden Houston has to keep up uh, and maybe it gets over. I'd probably lean toward the under, but uh, I think that's a I think 135 is a pretty good number. I think 135 is a fair number, too, and it's a pretty easy stay away from me considering how confident I am in Baylor with the five and a half and how confident I am in the favorite in the nightcap, Gonzaga and UCLA. Gonzaga, 14-point favorites, uh, just something you don't see very often in the uh, final four. 145 and a half is our total on this game. We've got a team that is minus 1,200 on the money line, Brian, in a final four game. This should Crazy. be... Like a, is this like a, I mean, you, you see shorter odds in a in a four thirteen game uh, in the NCAA <laughs> tournament. This is a Final Four matchup where we're looking at it. I, I, let's start from this point. If I come back, if I if I am future me, future Beller, coming back to you, Brian, I'm actually <laughs> two days in the future, and I say, "Oh my God, Brian, UCLA won." How did they do it? How would you fill in those blanks and said that they pulled off this monumental upset to get to the championship game? Well, first of all, I was looking at this today. I'm pretty sure this would be the biggest upset in Final Four history, not just from the point spread, but mm-hmm. from all the different factors. When you think about, usually when you're thinking about Final Four upsets, you think about Villanova over Georgetown. You know, Villanova was an eight seed. Uh, NC State beating Houston, they were a six seed. Um, you know, Duke over UNLV, but but Duke was a two seed. UCLA, obviously an 11 seed. They were the second to last team to make the field as an at-large, uh, coming from the first four. 14-point underdogs, despite the name UCLA, this would be a, just an, an incredible upset. I, I, it just would be – I can't think of a bigger one uh, in the history of the Final Four. And so that's telling you a lot right there. You know, UCLA did not beat USC the two times they played this year. That's obviously not a one-to-one comparison, but we mm-hmm. saw what Gonzaga did to UCLA. So I just it it's just seems so – like as you mentioned, monumental is a good word here. I, I don't see a lot of pass for UCLA to win this game. Now – Maybe they could get Gonzaga in foul trouble. That's the one thing I could think of. It, it, did, it did seem like watching UCLA Michigan that a lot of these UCLA, play, UCLA players might be studying in Hollywood because there was a lot of acting <laughs> on some of those flops against Michigan. Uh, Kenneth Nuba, I think, fell to the floor about 17 times. Uh, strong gust of wind will <laughs> knock him over, apparently, even though he's like 270 pounds. Uh, but, you know, maybe they could get Gonzaga in foul trouble that way. Gonzaga, as we talked about. Not very deep, especially up front. But they just – they don't really get in foul trouble either. Uh, I think Drew Timmy's fouled out of two games this year, not since December. They pass it so well that they, whenever they see trouble, uh, they don't just go barreling into guys. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, unless UCLA is just hitting crazy shots from outside, which they have been doing in this tournament, I just don't see a path here. You know, it scored 51 against Michigan, and that was enough. But you're going to have to – as we've said over and over, I think you got to score at least 75 to beat Gonzaga. So – Mm-hmm. I just don't see any paths here at all. Maybe I'm, but again, I've been wrong about UCLA this entire month. So take that for what it, what it is. Now I'm with you. I really don't see any paths either. And we talked about this with USC. You can draw up the perfect defensive game plan. It just, it doesn't exist against this Gonzaga team. They're too good. They're too efficient. They're too smart. They have too many avenues to score the ball that there really is no way to, to win it. You cannot beat Gonzaga with defense. You are going to have to match them at least in some way on the offensive side, whether you shoot the lights out, whether you somehow force a ton of turnovers and just get a bunch of extra possessions or you offensive rebound your way to a bunch of extra possessions and a really widen that gap in shot attempts. It's just not a realistic path to say, you know what? 
we're going to hold this Gonzaga team to 0.85 points per possession. They're going to score 62 points, and we're going to grind out a 64-62 win. If that were possible, we would have seen signs of it at some point along the road to this point of the season, and we just have not seen it in any which way. So I don't think that that is realistic. I think you're going to have to see uh, the game of their lives from the likes of Johnny Juzang and Jaime Jaquez and, and Tyke Campbell. And we've already seen some games like that uh, from these guys in this tournament. And I think it's a lot to ask them to do it once again to the extent that they would pull the upset. Now, there is a very wide window open in between literally winning the game Mm -hmm. and keeping it within 14 points. Is that something you think UCLA can do? Yeah, it's fascinating. If I'm Mick Cronin, one thing I'd have to consider would be just walking the ball up the floor as Mm -hmm. slowly as possible, (laughs) draining the shot clock trying to, you know, slow this game down. The one good thing in UCLA's favor is they don't turn the ball over, uh, and they haven't turned the ball over very much at all in this tournament. Uh, and we haven't talked about Gonzaga's defense. We always talk about their offense, but their defense has been spectacular in this tournament. Just shut down USC, which was playing lights out on the offensive end. So that's another factor. So if, if you're Mick Cronin, do you just try to slow this game down as much as possible and limit possessions? I don't know if that would work either, but maybe that keeps the score, you know, a little bit sl- a little bit lower. So UCLA has been playing very well. They they believe in themselves. They're tough. They play good defense. The 14 is a lot, but mm-hmm. Gonzaga, you know, their, their smallest margin of victory in this tournament is 16. And I think they've played some teams that are better than UCLA. So I, I would still I would still drop to 14, uh, believe it or not, in a Final Four game. As crazy as that uh, sounds. I mean, I'm totally with you. You can go back to the Sweet 16 game against Creighton, a game that was, you know, frankly, never really a game uh, that Gonzaga was able to win by 18 points. Creighton ended the season after that, ranked 25th in adjusted offensive efficiency on Ken Palm, held him to point zero or held him to point eight nine points per possession. Excuse me, in that game, this is a team uh, that shot it very well from three all season. Creighton went five for 23 from behind the arc yeah. in that game. I mean, this is just a, a team that, as you said, uh, is so good offensively that we don't talk about their defense, but still very good on that end. And sure, a lot of that probably has to do with the fact that uh, their teams that are playing against are so often taking the ball out of the basket and having to inbound it, and they're able to get their defense set. And you don't see a whole lot of teams forcing turnovers and getting up the floor quickly and getting out in transition against Gonzaga because of how good their offense is. But this just speaks to how good this team is, a dominant team, on both ends of the floor. It maybe is driven by offense, but it shouldn't let you overlook just how good this team is defensively. I am totally with you, loving Gonzaga, laying 14 points in this game. So uh, you and I are on seeing the two favorites, and that's where we were before the tournament, where a lot of people were before the tournament, that we were going to get Gonzaga and Baylor in the national championship game. Let's uh, let's go to the sports book here, Brian. Let's bring on someone who has been in the thick of it from against the spread perspective all tournament long, all season long, frankly. That is BetMGM's Seamus McGee. Seamus, thank you so much once again for joining us here on the Daily Ding U. Um, let's start with the, the first game of the night, Baylor and Houston. We got into this a little bit on yesterday's episode, so now here we are. 24 hours later, what can you tell us about the latest on this game from the perspective of the sportsbook? So, again, a lot of money still coming in on Baylor and uh, enough for us to move to minus five and a half on Baylor. So we uh, we recently just moved there, uh, starting to see some decent two-way action there, but hasn't hasn't taken significant money yet. But, uh, again, it's mostly Baylor, Baylor money line. Uh, huge, huge handle splits going towards Baylor's way so far. 
and uh, still nothing too significant on the toll. I imagine that to change though by a couple hours to tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Shame it's kind of the same question on UCLA Gonzaga. You mentioned yesterday that all the money was basically on Gonzaga, understandably so. Have you seen any change in that? Any any more action toward UCLA with this this big spread? Well, we're still hanging fourteen, and the money's still coming in on Gonzaga. But uh, one thing we're starting to see ourselves get into this situation where we're probably going to need uh, UCLA to cover, but Gonzaga to win. <laughs> um, a lot, it, it's, like you guys were talking about, it's a huge money line. So you're having a lot of people on the public just coming in, backing the underdog. Uh, so a little bit of liability on the UCLA money line. Uh, wouldn't be anything catastrophic, but it'd be better for the book, I think, at this point, if uh, Gonzaga won but did not cover the 14. When you get into a Final Four like this, again, like with the with uh, with one huge favorite and then with one other team in Baylor that, uh, again, clearly had set itself apart from every team not named Gonzaga this season and still against a strong Houston team laying five and a half. I mean, in your experience, is this sort of Final Four special? Is this sort of Final Four unique in the way that these two teams are such clear and obvious favorites? Has that influenced the betting trends you've seen in any sort of way? It's a little weird to me, if I'm being honest. <laughs> it's definitely unlike any Final Four I think you've seen in a while. Um, I mean, the last time I remember one feeling like this weird is when we had VCU and Wichita State mm-hmm. <laughs> playing in one. And because um, it's three of these, definitely no shocks. But UCLA, we're talking about a team that barely got in. They had to play a play-in game, two overtime games. Um almost went to a third overtime in the elite eight. Uh, so it's, it's, it's weird. It's kind of cool. Cause you know, it's always good to see double digit seed make the final four, but uh, they run into this absolute buzzsaw in Gonzaga. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's, Hey, it's almost like out of a movie where it's like, all right, here they go against the unbeatable team. So we'll see it. We'll see how they go. But so far the public isn't really falling for anything <laughs> with UCLA right now. Seamus, a little bit of an audible here for you, but just just curious and uh, don't want to look too far ahead. But if, if we do get Baylor Gonzaga Monday night, any idea where that line might might start out at? I, uh, it's it's definitely gonna be a tough one to handicap because I think you're gonna need to see a lot from those games uh, to see how the public would be influenced by what they see in mm-hmm. both teams. Top of my head right now, I'd say Gonzaga somewhere around five and a half, six and a half. But as we've seen before. If you give Gonzaga that short a line, they will punish you. <laughs> <laughs> Remarkable that we could get the number one and number two overall seeds in the NCAA tournament and have it sitting at like six and a half. It's just, it's incredible. And again, drives home just how good this Gonzaga team has been all season. We got one more question for you, Seamus, before we let you go. Uh, anything interesting in the prop market? Is anything that you've seen? I mean, obviously you guys over at BetMGM have plenty of player props up for the final four and player plus team props up. Is there anything that uh, you've seen money coming in that made you go, huh, that's interesting? Not yet. But around tip off, you do start to see some of the like, some of the weird like winning margin props start getting a lot of action. Mm-hmm. Uh, for the final four, we're doing a lot of uh, player prop parlays uh, that you'll see. So like Johnny Juzang and uh, Corey Kispert both to score fifteen plus points, something like that. Yeah. Uh, so we're having we're gonna have a lot of those uh, for final four weekend. Uh, I think those will be fun to see take action. Other than that, uh, we've gotten a lot of action. 
watching uh, the whole tournament on the race to like 15 and race to 20 props. Yeah. So people really love those. So <laughs> I imagine we're going to see a lot of those coming in uh, this weekend as well. Yeah, especially with a couple of fun offensive teams in Gonzaga and Baylor in those two respective games. Not a surprise to see those ones being heavily wagered on. That is Seamus McGee from BetMGM. Seamus, thanks so much for joining us again. And we will talk to you one more time on Monday when we are getting ready for the national championship game. Have a good weekend and enjoy the games. Thanks, guys. You too. All right, Brian, moving on to our next segment here. Actually, let me, you know, you know what? Let's bring him in. CJ Moore, let's get him in the show. CJ <laughs> joining us once again to talk about this. Looking good with the hat and the shirt, uh, like repping the company. Yeah. That is beautiful, CJ. Where do you get all this swag? I don't have any of this stuff. Is that a course? I thought if maybe I wore some athletic gear, you'd feel a little <laughs> bit bad about kind of knock me out. Right oh, man. Is that a quarter zip or does that zip all the way down? I love that. All the way, all the way. Oh, beautiful. Yeah, I had a little bedhead going on today, so I thought, you know. <laughs> uh, well, you are looking good, my friend. Uh, let's get into the games here. Uh, first, again, Baylor and Houston. That's uh, that's the first game of the night. You've uh, you've been backstage for a little bit, so you've heard what we've been saying about this game. Uh, I mean, how do you handicap the way that we look at this uh, from just an X's and O standpoint? Not necessarily the line. We'll talk about that in a second, but... How does Houston make this happen? How does Houston pull off what would be a, a meaningful upset? We're not talking about you know yeah. your standard Final Four game here. How does Houston pull this off? I think it would have to be a you know as coaches say a rock fight, right? Like they've got to really bring the physicality. They've got to make it kind of a low scoring game. I think if you get flying up and down the floor, um, while Houston can play that way, I, I think that would be in Baylor's favor. I think Houston wants to you know really shrink the floor and not let Baylor's guards get downhill. Like you you saw in the last game, if you let Davion Mitchell get downhill, he's going to cause you problems, and Baylor can just flood the floor with shooters, surround him with shooters, and and they, they get really tough to guard when, when they get on their Baylor runs. So they got to limit Baylor's runs. They've got to get on the offensive glass. Well, like both teams are great offensive rebounding teams. I do think maybe Baylor's a little susceptible to, um, you know, not – cleaning up the defensive glass. And, you know, obviously that's Houston's biggest strength. So like, like, you know, Kelvin Simpson likes to say their offense doesn't really start until there's a missed shot and they've got to dominate the, the offensive glass. But, but, but mainly I just think it's comes down to the defensive end. You've got to be, be able to contain Baylor's guards and, you know, hope they don't go nuts from three. CJ, I really enjoyed your story this morning on the offensive rebounding prowess of both these teams and kind of how they've built themselves that way. And now it's kind of a market inefficiency, as you wrote. Uh, everyone should go check that story out if they haven't read that. But do you, do you kind of feel like these teams are, in certain ways, matched up pretty well in terms of what they do best? Uh, you know, they both offensive rebound. They both have great guard play. They're both good defensively. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it just seems to me that, that maybe Baylor's just a little bit better at it. Is that fair to say? I think Baylor's better at you know, in terms of guard play and, and their guards being able to go get theirs and play out of ball screens and that kind of stuff. Like Houston's probably the better offensive rebounding team and like more physical, um, you know, d- defensively probably close to a wash. I, I think, I think Houston's maybe a little more disciplined on the defensive end, but Baylor is like in, when you get in recovery mode, I mean, both teams are great in recovery mode because they got athletes and they, you know, they throw out guys out there that can can really, really guard. So um, it, it's it's tough to say. I just think the, the advantage Baylor has is skill, right? Skill, yeah. shooting. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Houston's 
has times where, where Grimes can get on one, where Marcus Sasser can get on one. Um, you know, Dejan Giroux is, is kind of like a Davion Mitchell in that he can change a game with, with kind of being slithery and getting into the paint. But just the skill on Baylor's side is, is where I see the, the Bears having an advantage. Yeah, and it feels like an advantage that maybe is going to be unovercomable for Houston. And it feels like that times a million when we look at the second game of the night between Gonzaga and UCLA. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to just give the Bruins short shrift here because they are here in the final four. But it, it's it, like I, I'm running out of ways to ask the question of how does this happen? How do they do it? How do they magically pull off the formula? Is it really just as simple as UCLA? This has been awesome. What a run. Here's your banner. We'll see you next year. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, I don't think Cronin is going to be down with that. But, but <laughs> I threw out the joke on Twitter right after you know, we knew this game was happening was four corners. Mick unplugs the shot clock. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, no electricity in here, but we're still going to play. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, that's that's about their, their best shot. I mean, who, who knows? You know, crazy things happen in 40-minute games. But um, I think that, you know, it's just like what's UCLA's advantage been in, in, in most of these games? They've had an advantage in the the, the size on the perimeter. Mm-hmm. And guys like Johnny Juzang, like just being able to maybe shoot over littler guards and, and take advantage of that. Like not many teams are as big as them on the perimeter, right? Well, Gonzaga is. <laughs> Gonzaga's got some 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 dudes on the perimeter. Like you know, they can throw out different kind of lineups, and um, you know, they're they're like they they just they're so talented. And I just think that like it's so like UCLA is going to guard, and they're and they're going to try to make it tough. But you, Gonzaga's just got so many many options. Like if if you go back to the last game. If Hunter Dickinson could go over his left shoulder, don't you think Michigan probably wins? That game? <laughs> yeah, I do. And if Wagner doesn't have the worst game of his life. Yeah, <laughs> if Franz Wagner doesn't have the worst game of his life, and like, like Michigan really needed Isaiah Livers, right? Because they needed uh-huh. another dude. Well, Gonzaga's got all the dudes, <laughs> and, <laughs> yes. and like, let's say you know, Corey Kispert's having a bad game. Well, you know, Jalen Suggs could go off. And who's a guy that can go over both his shoulders in the post and like is going to be an extremely difficult matchup in this plane as well as anybody in this tournament? Drew Timmy. <laughs> like, like I, I don't know how they guard him. So um, it's, it's just a really, really tough chore. And I mean, the line's huge. So like it's, it's kind of scary, right? To like, if you're picking Zaga to cover, like, still, like, this is a Final Four game here we're talking about. But I mean, if, if I'm forced to bet this game, I'm, I'm taking Gonzaga to cover. Like, I, I think this could easily get to be a 20 point blowout. And like, UCLA's best chance to cover is, is somehow getting it played at its pace. But Gonzaga, I think, is, is so hard to slow down. Like, I look, looking at their Ken Palm page right now, there's very rarely a time where they play a game that's below 70 possessions. Mm hmm. That just you know that that goes to show you right there like how hard it is to kind of slow them down, even even yeah. West Virginia who like had the best shot at probably knocking them off because they can bring the physicality mm-hmm. and that was back when they were playing two bigs with Oscar Shibway and Derek Culver like they they played them the closest right they played them to five points and 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 you know their physicality maybe gave or, uh, Gonzaga a little bit of problems but even that game was eighty one possessions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to say the only team that's really slowed down Gonzaga all year was St. Mary's, and 
if you watch those games, St. Mary's was basically playing, I guess, the Blues by 19 instead of 38 because they weren't, <laughs> they weren't really doing much other than just chewing up the shot clock, and those games yeah. were never close. So my question to you, CJ, if, if you're Mick Cronin uh, and you'd have less hair, but uh, would you would Not you slow – Yes, would you slow this all the way down? Would you walk the ball up? Would you? I mean, is that the way? Would you mix up defenses? I mean, what does he pull out of his back pocket to try something here? Yeah, I mean, I, I'd maybe mix up some defenses and, and and try to come up with some gimmicky stuff. I mean, you're you're desperate, right? You're you're going to do whatever you can to win. Um, you know, when you get in these these tournament games, where like you're at a major talent disadvantage. I think the the one, like as a from a coaching mentality, the one thing that's dangerous if you do try to get too gimmicky, gimmicky is like you just take confidence from your guys. It's like what you don't believe you can do this, coach. You know, so right. that, that's the one thing. But yeah, I mean, throw out the kitchen sink, do whatever you got. Um, you you got to probably give give Gonzaga some different defensive look because if all you do is go, go out there and throw men, and but at the same time, like. If you play them in zone, they move the ball so well, and the ball and player movement is so good that, like, I think it's impossible to zone too. So you, you got to have some weird stuff that you can throw out of maybe that we'll okay. see. Uh, all right, CJ, what do we got for these two games? What do you got? Baylor minus five and a half, Gonzaga minus fourteen. Who are you taking? I'm boring here, guys. Like Baylor and Gonzaga. Like, mm. I think that's I think that's the play. Um, I don't know what the line would have to be for me to bet UCLA. <laughs> I don't think they're one to that. There's if it got if it was like eighteen and a half, I would maybe think twice about betting on Gonzaga. But I'm not betting on UCLA. <laughs> it would just be, it would just be, it would go from a smash Gonzaga spot to just a stay away. Yeah, yeah. Maybe throw two like five hundred dollars on the money line, something ridiculous, <laughs> just a little bit, you know. But um, I don't know. I, I just I think it's. UCLA is going to have a really, really hard time, obviously winning, but even to, to cover. But maybe we'll look dumb. I mean, they've made a lot of people look dumb in this tournament, so we'll see. Yeah, maybe we will. Uh, I'm feeling pretty good about the Zags in this one, and Baylor on the other side for that matter. CJ Moore joining us once again here on Daily Ding You. CJ, thanks for joining us. Thanks for being a good sport, and thanks for showing up with the swag, man. We'll uh, Have a good weekend. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> Appreciate it, guys. Yeah, man. <laughs> Uh, all right, as uh, before uh, before we go and before I forget here, don't forget that we are partnering with BetMGM to bring you the best exclusive offer. Bet alongside us and win. Right now, we're offering Dingu listeners a risk-free first bet up to $600. So you can use it on, maybe you can say I go or Baylor. Just go sign up at BetMGM.com and use the bonus code DAILYDING to take advantage of this special offer from the king of sportsbooks. This offer is for new customers. It is a risk-free first bet up to $600 at BetMGM.com. With the bonus code DAILYDING, visit betmgm.com for terms and conditions. All right, Brian, best bets here. Actually, one thing I want to say before uh, we get to our best bets, I feel like once we get to the final four, we need to throw the regional seeds out. Right? It, it, it looks strange to see one Gonzaga versus 11 UCLA. I think when we get to the final four, everyone should revert to their overall seed in the tournament. So it should be one Gonzaga versus like 40-whatever UCLA and two Baylor versus what, like seven Houston? I want to see that change be made because that would that would sort of conceptualize things, I think, a little bit better than just seeing multiple one seeds. And, you know, it's fine when we're in the regionals. But once we get to the final four, I think we should be going with the overall seed. That's my uh, hill to die on for next year's NCAA <laughs> tournament. For this year's NCAA tournament, best bets for the final four. What do you got here? 
Yeah, I don't even know if we need to see. Did you make a Final Four? You're one of the four best teams standing, so <laughs> good enough. Uh, really? UCLA is <laughs> better than Illinois, Brian? Hey, well, they got here. <laughs> Illinois didn't, so uh, they're going to hang a banner next year, and Illinois is not going to. So That's true. <laughs> you, get to, you get to say it. People could argue, but you get to say it, and you get to hang the banner. Uh, but I will uh, – you're going to be boring, too. You know, I've been picking – Gonzaga and Baylor, just like everybody else since November, mm-hmm. certainly not going against them now. And though I do think Houston can keep us close, I do think 14 points is a lot. I'm just going to – I just don't feel good about betting against either of these two buzzsaws. Yep. Uh, I'd bet Baylor. I'd bet Gonzaga. I would sit back and enjoy if they don't cover. So be it. As long as the two of those teams get to meet on Monday night, I'm going to be extremely happy. Yep, I am right there with you. I am betting better. I'm betting Baylor. I am betting Gonzaga. I'm going to think about parlaying them. I'm going to think about maybe a uh, Baylor money line and Gonzaga to cover the 14, some sort of parlay, but I'm going to mix it up because uh, with these two teams as good as they've been all season, I-, I want to find more ways to bet on them while I still can because, again, only three games left here in this 2020-2021 NCAA men's basketball season. So very excited for the Final Four. We, again, strongly on the two favorites, Baylor and Gonzaga. That's going to do it for us here on this episode of the Daily Ding You. Thank you so much for watching us here. Thank you so much for listening on the Daily Ding podcast. If you are doing that, thanks for joining us all week. We have one episode left. That will be coming our way on Monday, talking about the national championship game. Until then, have a great weekend. For Seamus McGee, Brian Bennett, and CJ Moore, I am Michael Beller. We'll be back with you on Monday. Enjoy the games, and we'll talk to you then.